Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Previously on the Mike Wise Show. Uh, Hi, Mark Lassery, uh, co-owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, Every now and then I get tortured by Mike Wise for his show. Um, But I want to tell you, in spite of the torture, you guys should watch it. Great show. Phenomenal guests. Um, what else can I say? You know, if he wasn't doing this, we'd probably have him playing for the team because he played once a long time ago. Um, it was a long time ago. It's sad how he is today, but you never know. So thank you again. Please watch the show. That was Bucks owner Mark Lassery from last week's show with his promo for this week's show. Today, we'll have that wide-ranging discussion about the joys and responsibilities of owning a team, as well as opinions of some other NBA owners, and what it was like moving to the United States from Morocco as a seven-year-old boy. And I'll apologize in advance for confusing Mongolia for Morocco. (laughs) But before we start, please subscribe to the show, download and listen. And if you're on Apple iTunes, please leave us a rating, review, and some feedback. It'd mean a lot. We thank you. Darlene, you know what to do. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Welcome to the Mike Wise Show, the live edition with Bucks owner Mark Lazary. Good to meet you, sir. Pleasure. I, you know, I've heard a lot about you. I've listened to podcasts. I, I got to say, I, I also saw you in Billions once, and in hindsight, I'm a little disappointed. Mark Cuban got more airtime than you. I know it's bullshit. It's just wrong. I, that's what I thought. I know. I'm such a better actor. It's not even close. You can't even, I mean, he's better on Shark Tank, where he's sort of really nickel and diming the guys on, uh, on the set. You actually throwed some action in there. What do you, why do you think that happened? Um, I don't know. I think it was just the way they ended up doing the show. Uh, the, the one I was on was an ideas dinner. Yeah. So it was kind of different. Um, I was supposed to be on it again this year, but I was traveling, so I couldn't do it, so... I'll come back next year for a bigger and better part. You turned down billions. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, uh, I, 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 I do work, have a day job. So. <laughs> that's what I hear. I worked with Andrew Sorkin a little bit. Yeah, great guy. Yeah, he is. Smart and, guy, too. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was wasting his time in the Times Sports Department yeah. years ago. Really. He's good. Really, well, saw, saw the future of what the financial world was when yeah. nobody really did, and I think that's, uh, that's incredible. You're one of the biggest fans of the team, obviously. I'm watching it from a perspective of here's this here's this franchise that people thought it was the little engine that could when the season yeah. started, and all of a sudden you got 60 games under your belt, and people are saying they're two wins from the finals. Talk about that feeling versus the the next four games. Um, yeah, I thought we had the third game. I think when that went into overtime. Um, Look, I think ultimately at the end of the day, 
Toronto, towards the end of the game, played better. Um, they shot better. Uh, you know, you sort of find out in life, like, some things just aren't fair. Um, you know, Van Fleet, um, I think, shot 85%. Um, the guy from, career. Yeah. The guy who shoots is a 30%. 30% shooter. Shooting 84, 85%. Um, he's actually the best shooter in NBA history over the last 15 years of any, you know, since the three-point shot has come into being. He's got the best. In a playoff series. In a playoff series. Over a three-game three period. That's incredible. Right? So, I mean, look, I think at the end of the day, um, our shots weren't falling. I think, um, you know, we played well, but, look, stuff happened, and there, there were some games that were ours. I mean, I thought the last game we were up about 15. That should have been... Yeah. We should have been able to hold it. Toronto goes on a 26-3 to three, uh, run. We should have been able to stop it. We didn't. Um, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, it's just, you know, whether it was because we were young or it was because, you know, Toronto played well or sort of the ball bounced their way, you know, my view is it's life. I mean, it, it is what it is, and you can't control it, so you move on. It reminded me of the year LeBron had uh, gone to the Heat first year. And everybody's waiting for that team to ascend to his first title. And they hit a hiccup with the Mavericks. And they're up 2-0 in that series. And I swear they, they, were, they were this close to winning game three. And then, and then the whole thing turns around. Um, Same thing. I think we were the very close winning game three. Um, look, you know, Kawhi played great. You know, at the end, yeah. of, the, at the, end of the games... We weren't able to stop him, and you know that, you know that's a testament to how good he is. Have you talked to Giannis or, or Bud or anybody, and you know uh, had a had a heart to heart talk about great season? I get, we're just not ready yet. Or what, what do you say? What do you even do? You, do you wait to have that conversation? Um, well, I spoke to them after the game. Yeah. Um, I wasn't happy. I don't think they were happy. So you know, there were quick conversations like, "Look, sorry." Um, it was a good season, but it sucks. It wasn't, nobody wants to hear a pep talk when, yeah. when you lose. I mean, I think when you lose, you lose, and it takes you a little while to get over it. But, you know, I'll talk to everybody over the next couple of weeks. But intuitively, you're, you're a guy that plays the game still, and, and you probably... I should have put on a uniform. That's, I, I think we would have won if I had just... <laughs> I know coach and the players don't think that, but I believe if I had gotten in there, I would have been good. Well, even if you weren't good, I could see you on the bench going, you're not getting paid. You, <laughs> you are not getting paid. I could have uh, said that. Yeah. It's, it's not the greatest motivator. But, but it's not a great free agent attraction no. either. Right. Uh, that, that would be the other issue. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, I, I guess what I'm getting at in a serious way is, um, is it, you're in the stands watching this, and for whatever reason, I couldn't. I didn't have the right TV provider, so I watched Game Six on this on my phone at my whatever my niece's graduation in Durham, North Carolina, and I'm and I'm watching it, and and it's got Home and Away, and for whatever reason, Home was on, the the streaming was on Giannis the whole game, and I was going nuts watching him on the perimeter. It reminded me basically of my sorry yeah. junior college career where everybody told me to go inside and bang it up, and he's waiting out there, and he's you know and then. I'm going, God, you're such, such a presence. Does that kill you? I mean, as, a, as a guy that's that close to it, does that kill you? Yeah, I mean, look, I think at the end of the day, nobody could stop him inside, so you'd like him to be inside, yeah. right? Um, 
So, look, there's, I think we learned a lot from it. Um, you know, I hate that. I hate when people tell you, look, you've got to sort of pay your dues. You've got to learn. Um, it takes a while. You know, I, I must have gotten 100 texts explaining to me that, what was it, that Jordan came into the league in 84, is that what it was? And then yes. he didn't get to the finals till 90, 91. Um, you know, <laughs> you want to sort of say, yeah, thanks. Uh, doesn't really make much of a difference. Right, screw it. Right. Well, I like to do the, in the 95, the Orlando Magic, when they had a young Penny and young Shaq. Everybody thought those guys were the next, you know, Jabbar and Magic for, for 10 years. And, of course, it didn't last. Right. Shaq left. And, and they had a great saying. They said, why not us? Why not now? And I felt like, you know, you're right there it on is. the doorstep. It was us. It was our year. Yeah. Like, things didn't work out. I mean, it, look, it's a great season because yeah. you got to the NBA final. I mean, the Eastern Conference finals. You know, hopefully next year we get to the finals. Yeah. Um, when you think about everything that's happened uh, for you, you bought the team in 2014. It's already uh, not only profitable, but people think uh, about the Bucks. It's kind of like they did the Spurs years ago yeah. and, and almost like the Warriors did when they've got that first, they've got that one star and you want to build around them. And uh, is Giannis keeping Giannis forever in your future? <laughs> what do you, what do you I, look, I think so. I mean, um, you know, it, it's funny. All the articles are always about what's he going to do. You know, my view is I think he's staying, right? And until I'm told differently... Um, I think we have a great relationship with Giannis. I think he, he loves Milwaukee. He loves the coach. I think at the end of the day, you know, he's like everybody else. He's going to want to win. If he thinks we have a shot to win, then he'll stay. If he doesn't think we have a shot to win, then he's got to decide what he wants to do. But I think ultimately, type of person he is, he wants to be with the same team for a number of years. We're in the... Uh Sixth floor of your offices in uh, Manhattan, yep. on Park Avenue. Um, ours is just down the street, as you know, Pure Hoops Media. Only right. It's a little smaller. And I, I, when you go into, all the times you went into businesses to talk to them about, this is how we're going to manage your company. And we're, you know, do, you, do, you, do you apply the same pitch in your business principles to a player like Giannis Antetokounmpo? Look, I think a lot of it is... Here's what, I think when uh, a number of years ago we told them what we were going to do. And I think we've, we've done exactly what we thought. Um, look, I think part of it, there's, there's a trust factor. There's a belief factor. We'll see where it goes, right? I mean, sometimes things are a little bit outside your control, right? Um, I, I think for us, are, we, are, are the younger players able to develop, right? I mean... Do they step up? Do they do a better job? Um, you know, are we able to keep everybody? I don't want to say I'm rooting for you, but I am. Because Good. I feel like that. I need everybody to root for us. Why not? <laughs> well, I just feel like you're, you're the antithesis of the, um, the, the corporate colossus that gets, its in, gets in its own way. And, you know, God bless James Dolan, but he knows what that's about. Yeah. And you, you, as a New York basketball fan, and having been to those Knicks games and those teams, yeah. you saw, you, you see how people eat their own. I don't feel like that's the Bucks corporate culture at all. It's not. I, look, we're pretty honest and upfront yeah. with everybody. Um, you know, we've told everybody what we want to do. Yeah. And 
I think, look, ultimately, I think players have to buy into that, right? And if they do, that's great. Um, if they don't, it is what it is. I mean, then we'll find somebody else who buys into it. I mean, there's, I, I think we have a vision of where we wanted this team to be. We got there within five years. They were the worst team in the league. They became the best team in the league in five years. Um, I look at the next five years now as, okay, I think we should be a perennial playoff team. The question is, how far do we go? Right? And a lot of that is going to depend on Giannis and, and some of the other players. So I, I think we'll see. If you look at Giannis, he's developed and gotten better every year. I think he's going to get better even next year. Right? So I, I, I think the future is really bright. Um, you know, it sort of depends of, you know, are the players on board with what we're trying to do? I think they've been on board, and that's why we've done well. I feel like there's a, I don't know if this helps you at all, but there's got to be a feeling of some unfinished business in that locker room. Oh, yeah, there is, but. How, how far does that go? No, I think it, it goes, it goes far. You know, the problem with the NBA, mm-hmm. and I fully understand it is for players, you're, you're sort of torn between two things, right? I mean, I think the first one is, um, I think for everybody, they'd love to stay. I, I, I think everybody felt there was a camaraderie. They had a great time. It was all super beneficial. Then the, then the economics comes into it, which is what are we able to pay and what is somebody else able to pay? And, you know, for someone who's going to be in the league for, you know, whether it's five years, 10 years, or 15 years, however long they're going to be able to play, um, you know, there's an argument that you should maximize what you, what you make. And there's an argument that you should try to, you know, for your reputation, your career, that you want to win a championship, right? And so I think we're going to do the best we can to try to pay people as much as we can. But there's a limit because there's a salary cap. Um, and then you're bidding against other people. So I, I think we'll see where things end up. But we're going to try to keep everybody and try to keep the team together. Pardon my ignorance, I, I okay. haven't covered the league on a daily basis for a long time, even though, are you over the luxury tax? No, we're close to it. W- would you consider going over it to keep that team together? Yeah, it depends on the amount. You know, the problem with the luxury tax a is a billion, no. Um, would you wager your entire company to keep you honest? Yeah, but I think we will, that, that's not the issue, I think Giannis, We'll, whatever it costs, we'll, we'll keep them. That's not yeah. going to be the issue. The issue is just how much more should you spend. On a Malcolm Brogdon. On a, just on other players. Okay. And you know, there's a cost to that. And I think we're going to do the, the best we can. But sometimes it may end up being that some people are going to pay substantially more than we can afford. You're a billionaire. Does that bother you? I mean, you get, the I think best, you get some of the best and brightest to work for you in this building. Uh, 200 some employees and 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 yet does it bother you that somebody else can outbid you no i i think it's i don't i don't get upset about things i can't control so if i can't control it i don't really worry about it i like that so other people be very hyper uh, focused in in uh, forcing an outcome with your means and obviously your competitive desire and whatever got you to this place in society. But you seem to like be okay with, uh, you know. 
look, I, I'd like to win as much as the next guy. I think I'm as yeah. competitive, but there are times factors outside your control. And when they are, you sort of recognize that. So we'll see where things go. I think, I think we'll do the best we can and we'll spend as much as we, as much as we can. Um, there's, a, there's a limit to what you can really do, right? It's not, it, it has no bearing on how much somebody is worth. It's sort of, you know, you're running a business. And I think you want, you will, you'll do whatever you need to do, but there's a limit to how far I think even we can go. I think you're right. And I also believe there's, when they say free agency, I don't know if it's true free agency because the value that one player um, represents to one, uh, to, to a certain team or four, four teams isn't the value, you know, it's like Tom Brady. Not everybody needs a Tom Brady. Most right. people do. Uh, not everybody needs a Giannis. Many teams do, but many teams can win without him. And so it's it's not. I, I, this is the part where I don't know. I'm, I'm more of a player's guy. I think you know you only got a finite number of years to use your ligaments and joints. Yeah. And and yeah, there's a part of me that says, why not take the best deal? I think but it, don't uh, don't put yourself in a losing situation. No, and I think that's what it ends up being. I think I think um, players. It, it's an economic factor, and then it's an enjoyment factor. It's the same thing for everybody. Like you know. Yeah. We, we all have a job. Um, I will end up working at a certain place. You know, when I was younger, um, I could have made more money if I had left where I was, but I enjoyed where I was. Yeah. And I thought the, the emotional benefit was substantially better. Um, and look, life worked out, so I think I made the right decisions. But you, you should try to do the things that you believe are right and not try to do everything from an economic standpoint. That's all. And look, at I, I don't blame anybody for doing what they do. I just yeah. think, I think in life, if you do things that you think are beneficial for you um, and where emotionally it feels very good, then that will pay huge dividends. So I, I think that's, I think for everybody on our team, there's a feeling that if we all stick together, you know, we're two games away, we can get there. Um, and it's how much you give up for that. And I don't know what the answer is. What you just told me was essentially the antithesis of Bobby in Billions. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be the guy that the character's based on? Me? Head no. Fund, head fund, hedge fund guy, waits for short sales of companies, ruthless, takes people's money. That's you, right? I don't think so, uh, but no. Have you ever heard that, that you're actually you're part of the character is based on you? Um, I think I think the good parts, yes. <laughs> well, I was gonna say you seem pretty altruistic yeah. compared to a lot of hedge funds, man, hedge fudge managers in this kind. Uh, I think country. most are actually. Look, at the end of the day, your goal is you're trying to make money for your investors. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the only way you could succeed in this business is by doing well for people. Right. It's kind of hard not to. So I, I think I think at times people get a bad rap, but it is what it is. Yeah. It's. You make money, and all of a sudden you become a target. The taller a tree grows. Um, I I know a little bit about your background, but uh, when you came over here, and you were seven. Yes. Seven years old. Did you even know a word of English? No, did not speak English. How was that? You're you're in second grade at that point. How was that? It was hard. <laughs> it was it wasn't a lot of fun. Were you the little little, little Mongolian kid that got bullied in school? Yeah, I got bullied. What did they what, like? What did kids say? Well, you didn't really understand what they said because you didn't speak. But um, look, it took a while. It, 
I, I think for me, look, I happen to think this is the greatest country in the world. I mean, what I was able to accomplish here, I don't think you could have done anywhere else. So, um, you know, ultimately, you know, came here, went to public school, um, learned English. I think when you're a kid, you pick up the language pretty quickly. Um, you know, I was able to sort of go to law school on scholarship, college on scholarship. Yeah. You couldn't do that anywhere else. So I think it's all good. Um, I, I think I had a, look, at the end of the day, I had parents who were exceptionally nice and all they cared about was just making sure you got to school. Were they really sensitive when you came home crying when you were little? Were they just like, geez, this isn't, this isn't what we intended? I mean, or, or were they, you know, dust your shoulder off? Yeah, it was more the latter. <laughs> it wasn't, it was much more, look, it'll get better. Just yeah, keep, keep, going. keep going. It'll be fine. Did Don't worry a, about did it. Did you get a friend at some point? Or oh, no, yeah. Look, it only was for a year or two. I mean, it wasn't that bad. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm just trying to put you in therapy. Uh, no, I'm good. Right. Okay. I'm good. All right. You're all right. Okay. Yes. You can tell me if there's a childhood issue that comes no. up during the interview. Actually, all good. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but... Uh, your mom was a school teacher, right? Yes. What where'd she teach? What'd she teach? She taught French. because uh, we spoke French. Right. So uh, she was a French teacher. Um, and your father was a computer programmer? Yeah, he wrote Cobalt before um, he was a math whiz. So Okay. Um, he didn't speak English that well, but uh, math was his forte. So he did that for the state of Connecticut. And my mom was a French teacher and you know, you sort of, you had a normal, normal life. Is it middle class upbringing? Uh, yeah, lower middle, middle class. I, I'd say lower middle class. What, like roughly, what's the most your parents ever brought home, say, on, on a double income? Oh, God. I would have said to you, you know, probably forty or 50000 a year. And, and, and what do they say to you when you make your first million or so? You and your sister just set out and start uh, understanding the financial world like few people did at that time. I think they were surprised. Uh, I think wait, wait, were, wait, but did you buy something or did you just walk home and just say, Mom, I'm, I'm filthy rich? No, I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> I, think I, I think I would have gotten smacked. Um, I think it was much more, look, here's, here's what's going on. Um, I paid off the mortgage on their house. Uh, That's great. And then it was much more, look, whatever you need. Um, yeah, I, th I think they were simple folks. I mean, my, my dad passed away and my mother's still alive, but, um, you know, they were just happy. So, yeah, as long as they had their house paid for and, the, and a car paid for, life was good. I think for me, it was just, I think, you know, you just kept working and you hoped it would keep on getting better. And it, you know, thank God it did. And your sister is fairly successful in her own right. Yeah, she's done exceptionally well as well. Is your parents, uh, I don't I just, not because you've made money, but because you've you know, become top of your industry in many ways, they must have been extremely proud. I, I think they were very, very proud. I think they didn't fully understand what I was doing. Uh -huh. And I think um, my mother and father didn't fully understand why I left law. <laughs> You know, to them it was, um, you could do very well as a lawyer. And I think when I started out in the investment world, um, that was a big risk. And yeah, that worked out. But um, I think it was great that I had the legal background. 
So it was very helpful. If you had if you had gone into law, what would what you have practiced? What kind? Uh, corporate law, I assume. Okay. Uh, bankruptcy law. Um, when I was in law school, I was studying to be a tax lawyer. Yeah. Because I could do numbers pretty well, so I think tax law. You got that from your dad. Yeah. Yeah. What your uh, again? Pardon my ignorance. What year okay. did your father pass? He for? died about 22 years ago. Uh, suddenly or just? Uh, yeah, cancer. So he ended up. Um, having cancer, and then once they diagnosed it, six months later, he passed away. That's quick. Yeah, it was very fast. You're, was. Um, you were close to him? Yeah, we were exceptionally close. I mean, uh, he was a great guy. So that's, I'm, I'm just going back in time, that's late 90s, you've already... Um, 96. 96. Yeah. You've become very successful at that point already. Does he tell you, I'm proud of you? Does he yeah, no, he was... Um, he was really, really proud. Yeah. I mean, I think for him, it was, you know, he sacrificed a lot for us to come to this country. Yeah. And I think for him, it was like, okay, it's all worth it now that I've seen that, you know, you've done well, your sisters have done well. So I think for him, he felt like he made the right decision in coming here because it was hard. Um, you know, I mean, I think we lived in a, you know, if you sort of think about it, when we first came to the States, we lived in a two-bedroom apartment. Um, for the first 10 years. So it was, you know, you share a room with your two sisters. This is uh, in West Hartford? Yeah, in Hartford. So, you know, it's, it's life. No, it's amazing. It's, uh, what does he say to you? You know, he obviously doesn't have a lot, a lot of time with you. What does he say to you? What does he say to you as, he, as he's about to pass? Does he, does he say anything? He says the same, you know, what you would expect. Look, I'm very proud of you. Try to always do you know, the right thing. That's really what life's about. Um, you've gotten this great opportunity by you know, being able to succeed here in this country um, and make sure you try to give back as much as this country has given you. And that leads me to some of your charitable endeavors, which is, do you think you got that from him? I mean, there's people who are very wealthy in this country that I would say stroke checks. You seem genuinely committed to this. Look, I think, I think a lot of it is sort of how you grow up, right? I mean, so I think for all of us, um, you know, when you grow up with no money, you appreciate how hard life is. Mm. And then when I think you become successful, you don't forget how hard it was and how hard it is for people. So you, you sort of feel like you have this obligation. And that's sort of how I feel. I feel like, you know, but for the grace of God, it could have been somebody else. So I think I got, I was, I was in the right place at the right time. Things worked out. Um, if you think of the Bucks, it's sort of the same thing. We were in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, we paid the most for the worst basketball team. <laughs> and yet... $550 million? Yeah. At the time, we paid 550 And I think today, you know, you couldn't even remotely buy a team for that. Wow. Right? And it's just you were in the right place at the right time. And, and I think for me, I sort of, I'm a big believer in that that if you work exceptionally hard and you try to do the right thing, um, hopefully life works out. Just based on our conversation, uh, why didn't you buy the Knicks? So one, it wasn't for sale. So that would have been an issue. You could, you could have got some strong man to make him pay, sell it. Right, so I think others have, and that hasn't happened. Okay. So uh, the Bucks were the only team available at the time. I know. And um, I just wish it was good. I wish for people in this town. I mean, some of you, part of you has got to, you grew up here. You, you, you probably have a little bit of a heart of a Knicks fan. 
Um, Do you even remember when they won? Yeah, it's in, you know, it's in the dark crevices of your mind, so uh, you do remember. <laughs> it's very dark. Yeah, but... You have to go back to 73. Yeah, no, that, I wasn't here then, so... Oh, okay, that's right, you're still in... I'm in 81, okay. so I come here. Um, yeah. You know, they, they made the playoffs a bunch of times. I'd go with my children. Yeah. It was fun, but I think... Um, I, I love the idea of being able to go to Milwaukee. Um, everybody's so nice. Everybody's so friendly. <laughs> Everybody's just happy that we bought the team. So um, it was all upside. You're not getting yeah, you're not getting grilled by the New York media out there. Although there's some very fine reporters and very good. No, no, it was all good. But everybody's happy with. Yeah. You know, if you think about what's happening in five years, what what is there not to be happy about? Yeah, yeah you you make. You make Mark Cuban look like he's lazy. It took him a while to get going. Yeah. Did you wear a Bucks jacket to your first Board of Governors meeting? No. I, were you allowed to? I didn't think you were. You you are because Cuban wore one, and it was a really cheesy green satin one with the old Mavericks colors. Oh, really? Yeah. I still look at it, and I thought, this guy's a joke. He's not going to be around long. And, um, yeah, that's that's what I knew. No. <laughs> No, I think you like him, Mark. I do like him. Mark's a good guy. You know, he's funny, smart. Yeah, he's actually really passionate. I, mean, I think he's what he's done. Everybody gave him a hard time about the officials back in the day, where he would he would put these um, analytics together yeah. before. I thought it was brilliant because it, it, it let them it it kept them honest and it made them much more accountable than they were under the pre present system. I think Mark's a really smart guy. He's just yeah. good, and yeah. you know you. He's, he's intellectually honest, and he's passionate about his team, yeah. and everybody knows that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There, there's nothing wrong with being passionate about your team. Um, you should be. I mean, that's why you bought the team. I mean, who else should you be passionate about? Is there a block of owners like where, where you get together and you just like some of them more than others? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a block. I think what ends up happening is there's people you like more, there's people you get along with better, and there's others where you just have less in common. So the people you have more in common with, you tend to socialize with them more. You know, what do you think of Jeannie Buss? I like her. I like her. I mean, I don't know her that well. Yeah. She's always been great in everything. Um, anything I've ever asked, she's been great and vice versa. So I have a lot of respect for her. Yeah, I'm blown away by all the problems they're having because she's she, she really cut from the mold of her father. She really wants to change things. And she does, and she's very nice. And I think, I think at times it might be because she was a little bit too nice that there might have been issues, but I, I think she's said, got a great heart. She said yes to too many people. Yeah, maybe. I just don't, I don't know the situation out there. I, I don't either. I just wish she'd say yes to me. I, no, I, my <laughs> wife doesn't want to hear that. Right, that would be an issue. Yeah, yeah. that would be. Um, your family, how many kids do you have now? Five. Five, and what's the oldest? She's 33, and then the youngest are twins that are 26. The, um, one of them uh, worked in Washington, is that correct? Uh, two of them did. Two so them. my oldest daughter worked um, for Rahm Emanuel, and then right. she went to work at the State Department for Hillary. And then my son uh, worked for Obama um, and then worked in the White House. So you're a Tea Partier, I can tell. Uh, yeah, very much to the right, <laughs> yes. That would be uh, correct. I, one of the things, and... I make no bones about it. I definitely lean left. I, I'm blown away by how much more progressive um, the league is in matters of social issues than the NFL, uh, Major League Baseball, the NHL. 
I, I think the NHL has done some great work with the LBGTQ community, but I feel, feel like, not that the other leagues have let us down, but, but at a time when athletes, there, there's almost a renaissance of social conscience among athletes, I feel like the NBA gets it. And, and does that, uh, coming from your own background, does that make you proud? Yeah, I think they do. I, th I think Adam is a phenomenal commissioner. I mean, he really is. And um, I, I think um, we sort of follow his lead. Yeah. And I think he's done a great job with the players um, and with the league and trying to deal with a lot of these issues head on. And honestly, whereas I think other leagues try not to deal with these issues. You were one of the first uh, teams to publicly come out and say, we're not gonna stay at a Trump brand hotel. Um, your personal feelings about that? Look, I think at the time, um, it was an issue that I think some of the players had, and it was an issue um, you know, where we were trying to respect their opinion. So I think people have made a big deal about it. It wasn't, I think at the time, we just thought that was the right thing to do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm respectful of other people's opinions. I think for us, that's what we felt was important, so that's why we did it. Barack Obama um, was somebody you gave money to and you're very much um, aligned with in terms of your own politics. Did you get to play basketball with him at all? No, and I bugged him a lot about that. I kept saying, when am I getting the invite to come down and play basketball? This is where you and I are gonna connect. Like, you've never believed, like, the. the the, the wry humor stuff, like, I'm going to throw that out the window. I'm gonna, just going to tell you, he told me that I was going to play with him because I played high school basketball in Hawaii. We had this moment at the Washington Post right before he was inaugurated. I'd go up to him during games. Reggie Love, his body man, right. played at Duke. Reggie Love's yet to call me to put the game together. I don't even know if he plays anymore. I don't know if he just plays golf. You're, you're hurt by this as well, I can tell. Yeah, I wanted to play. I thought it'd be fun. I mean, I asked, they said absolutely, but then I guess, you know, other things came up. Well, just roughly, how much did you give to the campaign altogether? Oh, I don't remember. Okay, I'm just gonna say millions. And that's, I'm just gonna be like, for the <laughs> I, record. I don't, think, I don't think it was that. Mr. You, Pres, okay. You couldn't, no, there was a limit to what you could do. I think the limit okay. was probably 30,000 a year. You didn't get one of those super PACs together? No, I never gave to a super PAC. Okay, good, yeah. God bless you. Um, I, I'm really upset about this. I think if, uh, if this podcast, anything comes out of it, I would like to get Mr. Lazary a game with the president. I'll even keep score. I don't even have to play. Um, I, I think Thank that give, given all that you've done and given that you're Absolutely. like me, you're probably your joints and ligaments have expiration dates, you need to get on the Sooner. court with them before it I, ends. Yes. All right, you'll talk to them then. <laughs> Somebody should. He lives in Washington. He never returns my calls. Oh, uh, shoot. Uh, I have to ask you a couple more. The, going forward, what do you do if Trump wins again? What do you mean, what do I what, do? What kind of country do we have? Look, it's a, it's a country where people have the right to vote. If he wins, he wins. Right. I mean, it's not... If, if, the, if the Milwaukee Bucks win the, win the title next year, which is a possibility, you go to the White House? If the players want to go, we go. It's not. Wow. This, this, isn't, this isn't my decision. I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, okay. you know, I'm going to be one voice, and then we'll have other voices, but you sort of do what people want to do. Right? I mean, it's, it's not, it's not going to be my decision. You ever go back home? To Morocco? Yeah. Yeah. 
I go a number of times. And I've gone back probably, I think in the last five years, probably three or four times. And you see relatives? No, they've all gone. They've all gone to Paris or okay. Israel or they're all here in the United States. Morocco just wasn't safe. It changed a lot. Um, I think the vast majority of, um, if you were Jewish, the vast majority of Jews ended up leaving Morocco. Just because of the anti-Semitism? No, I think it was just, you know, I think they felt more comfortable leaving. I mean, I, I would tell you the, the king of Morocco has actually been great to the Jews. Um, but I think he sort of felt, um, what, what ended up happening is the younger generation would go to the United States or would go to France and then they didn't come back. So you sort of found that as people didn't come back, it, I, I think they felt they had more opportunity um, in Europe or in the United States. And then sooner or later, their parents ended up joining them. So the vast majority of people have ended up leaving. You gave up uh, the, an offer to be the, the ambassador of France. If presented that again in any capacity, would you think about it? Yeah, look, I thought it'd be a fabulous job. I would have loved to have done it. I just, at the time, couldn't sell the company. Um, that was really the reason because of all the conflicts, because uh, we run a lot of money in Europe. Um, I'd love to try to do it again. Um, but, you know, I think ultimately, at the end of the day, it's going to be too difficult, uh, just simply because there, there are too many conflicts, and I don't think we'll ever be able to get around those. And you're owner of the Bucks. you got this right. hedge fund company doing podcasts with me. Um, what could be better? <laughs> I love this guy. Um, thank you, Mark Lazary. It's very good to meet you. You're Pleasure. about as sincere and real as uh, everybody said you were, including Bruce Bernstein, one of our producers. And, um, and I thank you in advance for purchasing Pure Hoops Media and, and giving us the capital we need to just blow up. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Thanks to our guest, Bucks co-owner Mark Lassery, for being so generous with his time. The progress the Bucks franchise has made under his leadership has been really impressive. And, well, all you need to do is listen to him to know that the future is bright in Milwaukee. Thanks also to the greatest podcast producer on planet Earth, Bruce Bernstein, for his many contributions, his spiritual guidance, his fashion advice, and writing that teaser to promote himself. <laughs> we couldn't do this without the enormous editing skills of Ben Wolfen, who not only makes me sound good, but mixes all the elements into a sweet presentation. Please listen to all the shows from Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot with Noah Kozloff and Adam Stanko, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt, and the Pure Hoops Podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. If you listen to all the Pure Hoops Media shows, you'll be a smarter basketball fan and members of the opposite sex will find you irresistible. We promise. It hasn't worked for us, but we're still trying. See you next week on The Mike Wise Show. Peace. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.